Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Well, hello and welcome to a very special edition of Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. This week it's a little bit different because we're celebrating our 100th episode and we're keen to look back at where we've been and where we're headed. Amanda Howard, the Serial Killer Whisperer, is with us. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Robert. Again, it's always interesting to see how we start the intro and I'm (laughs) glad we're at 100. I didn't think sometimes we would actually get there. Oh, I never doubted it for a second. You've got 25 years or seasons worth of episodes. We, we're uh, always going to get to 100. That's that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, look, Amanda, you reached out to everyone for their thoughts on the past 99 episodes. How did that go? Well, it's been very interesting, actually, and it's been almost like a stroll down memory lane. So there were some interesting points that were actually brought up, um, as well as some requests for the future. There was a lot more than of those, though. It's like, oh, we've loved what you've done. It's all been fabulous, but this is what we want to see next. Oh, okay. So where do we start? Uh, well, I thought we'd start at the beginning. I thought that that's the best <laughs> way to start, and that is that we always have a news section. So uh, there's mm. only been a few episodes where we haven't had a news section, and that's purely been because we've had some chock-a-block episodes. So I thought we'd start with what people have to say about the news section. Well, that's true. As I say in every episode, let's get into the news, and what here's what people have to say. So we've got Missy who says, I especially appreciate Rob's news updates in the beginning of every app. Who wants to wade through all the bullshit about the Kardashians and Trump to try and find those serial killer updates that get lost amongst sports updates and celebrity gossips? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like how it's Rob's news. I won't, I won't, I won't take Damn offense straight. to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's great to know that actually people like that. You know, yeah. I think it's been amazing because there has been times it's like, do, like are we bothering to do this is is this something that people are interested in and they are so you know we do try to keep it to three stories um and sometimes it's hard to find three stories don't you think no i i think most (laughs) times it's hard not to keep it to three stories there's sometimes way too much news going on yes some weeks are slower than others of course but um it it is always interesting and it's funny the news section i think is something i don't know if any other true crime podcasts do a news section um and i have been back and forth on whether we should keep doing it because there is actually quite a bit of work in that but hearing that from missy actually gives me the confidence that we should actually keep going with it yeah i think so too and i think it's interesting sometimes and it's often by doing the news section that i actually find killers that i have to add to my big uh, serial killer database so you know like i've put in ah. uh, samuel little who died i've put that in uh, we've had a couple of been arrested so i've put those in as well so it's actually good for me to keep up with it because um we're getting the database is now at almost 5500 so i've put in about another 100 in the last couple of months Amazing. And what's also interesting about that is I will find different types of news stories yes. to you. Yes, it's, it's interesting sometimes. It's like, oh, okay, I need to now go and Google this case because it's not what I know. <laughs> so Robert always gives me a link. So if it's something that he found and I wasn't aware of, um, he, he keeps me on my toes and sometimes throws in a question. It's like, well, I don't know the answer to that. And so I have to quickly Google and see what's there to make sure that I am up to date. Which you always are in the end. Hey, look, uh, Rachel and Jane agreed with Missy saying the serial killer news at the beginning and they enjoy Amanda's take on it as well as Rob's. I think that's a key. Yes, you could call it Rob's news and I quite like that. We may brand it as that next, I think so. from next episode. Um, but what I do like is that we get to bring your expertise in on what's happening and there's always an angle to take, you know, like you look at the last episode where we ended up having a discussion about uh, Rose West and her name change and it becomes a little bit more than news sometimes when we actually start to give our views on the news and so I think that takes it beyond 
um, just ahead of this is what's happening, there's always mm-hmm. the insight that you especially give. Yeah, I th- and I think that that's in, an important part of what we do on the podcast is that we aren't just reporting the news because anyone can set up a Google alert and find the latest serial killer news, but we actually go a bit further and say, well, why has that happened or how did it happen or how is this different to another case and how some sort of get thrown out. We, we have one serial killer that we've reported on a few times and his name escapes me, but he's been sitting in jail for like 12 years waiting for his trial and it's things like that that we look at and it's like, well, why is this happening? Why is the criminal mm. justice system sometimes broken and sometimes it's quite swift? And um, and so I think we delve behind the curtain of what's actually going on. Oh, look, absolutely. Look, the Toolbox Killers episode was one of our first really controversial episodes and it divided listeners big time because we played a brief piece of audio that actually had the torture of one of the victims. Um, Some listeners were proud that we don't shy away while others thought it went too far. You and I had that exact Mm -hmm. discussion off the air. Yeah, and it it sort of made me doubt a bit of what I thought that we should be doing because I... I'm probably a bit jaded and I'm in a lot of gore groups and things like that. So I see a lot of murder and death every single day. And Mm. so to pick up one case and sort of say, guys, this is the reality of it, I think people didn't want that reality. It was too real when they realised this is a 15-year-old girl having her um, elbow smashed with a hammer People just went, yeah, no, 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 I like to read and hear about this, but that is taking me into it. And so I understood where people sat with that but then others said oh my god we're so glad that you did that it sort of gives it that reality so it's sort of you know it's it's a very thin line that well we this have is to the traverse. interesting point i've got to say because when you think about it people they they get into true crime they listen to it they read about it but we are talking about some real horrors in mm-hmm. the real world and to hear that audio was horrible But maybe it's something if you really do want to be part of the true crime world that you have to listen to. I I don't have a firm view on this, I've got to say. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe we need to understand the real horror and not um, turn it into just entertainment value. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, on my website, on amandahoward.com.au, just throw that in, um, I actually do have some folders on there of the crime scene photos from some cases, um, including like Scott Peterson and things like that. And yeah. um, some people went, oh, fantastic, what's the link? And, and they jumped right in and had a look. And others said, no, that's too far. You need to hide it. It needs to have questions up saying, do you want to continue to look at what's about to be shown? So some people really, they don't want reality in their true crime and I, I don't blame them um there's some things that I won't look at or won't see as I said mm. I'm in a couple of gore groups and there's things that they show that they say that there's a child warning or an animal warning and I won't look at those ones um because I find that I don't want to see a child being killed um but to watch someone you know get crushed by a machine or something I'm, I'm all, all for that because I think it's fascinating from a perspective of looking at the the reality that someone can be alive and then they're dead. I have that fascination of when that moment happens and I think that that's a lot of why I look at the more gruesome side of crimes. Um, But interestingly enough, um, when I write about true crimes, I actually censor it So because people don't want to read about the gore and the horror, So, which is why I then write crime fiction as well because I use all those heinous crimes Mm. that I'm aware of. I use those in my books because they're fictional and no one has to die for me to write about that, but it's based on what I know as fact. Yeah, very interesting. And look, it's also interesting when we hold our Patreon group chats, what people want to see and what they don't. You have brought in some photos when we've done that. And we always say, is there anyone who doesn't want to look at these? And there are any, there isn't anyone who doesn't want to look at these photos, you know, as a general rule. So um, everybody's sort of a bit in for a penny, in for a pound. Mm -hmm. But the reaction we got to the toolbox killers did actually help shape the podcast. As I said, that was in the really early days. You can only get that through Patreon now in the back catalogue. So uh, it it did help shape how we took the podcast forward. It did. It did, that's for sure, because it told us where our line was and we dipped our toes in the other side, but it it was pretty much a don't go there again. Mm. Now, we ended season one with a very special episode. It was called Unexpected Deaths. And Amanda, This was a very special episode. We spoke not only about the families left behind by murder and accident, 
but also suicide. And we recorded it around the first anniversary of your husband's death. Um, what effect did that have for you and for others? Um, it, there was a massive resounding uh, response to it, and I still get responses to this day. Now, that was uh, recorded in 2018. He died on the 30th of June 2017. So it was on that first anniversary, as you said. And um, I don't remember much of recording that episode, and we'll get into us drinking during episodes soon, but um, <laughs> I needed to uh, anaesthetise to do that episode. It was really hard. I've had um, people ring me um, and just blurt out their story. I've had people write to me and say, that's just made me step away from the edge. I was about to go and I decided to listen to this episode and it it showed me what the aftermath is. And so um, it was amazing that people have responded to it. I've had some hate as well, but not a lot, very, very few, maybe five or six, but I've had probably thousands um, of people respond to uh, Steve's suicide. Uh, for those that don't know, yes, my, my husband took his own life and I was the one who found him um, and it was really traumatic. There was no uh, warning signs that it was coming and so it was really, really shocking and uh, Robert has sort of held me back from the edge a couple of times too. Uh, Robert, as most people will know, was the executive producer on Studio 10. We did a two-hour episode on the morning show about suicide and Steve's suicide and so it was something that um, I, I do reach out to people about. I have people just say to me, I just want you to know I'm safe and thank you for talking about it. Um, at the same time, it's Steve's story, not mine, but it's it's sort of linked together forever and I'll be forever damaged by it. But knowing that other people out there have listened to that episode and it's given them a different perspective, that they are worthy, they are loved, um, and that mental health is a... Um, fatal disease like cancer you know people get cancer and we all rally around them and and help them and respond to them but people don't understand that mental health actually kills almost as many people as cancer does there's eight people a day in this country in Australia that actually die from suicide every single day so you know they're, they're epidemic proportions and we need to make sure that we can address this and talk about it and that's why we did that's why we did the episode mm. we did talk about accidents and murders and things and how people are left behind by them but um yeah it was an episode that was tough to do as I said I had a couple of wines for us to do it but um it was certainly something that I'm proud that we did and I'm glad that people still actually reach out about it you know and it's, I'm so glad to find so many people are now safe and sometimes it might be safe for an hour but you know an hour can change your life absolutely um and and I think we saw that and it amazes me that people will actually have a go at you for doing that episode. I thought it was very brave. I thought it was amazing insight. And still to this day, I'm so proud of that episode and I'm proud yeah. of you for doing that Thank episode. Um, look, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to change pace. We're going to look at some of the other episodes we've done and some of the behind-the-scenes stories of arguments, alcohol <laughs> and so much more. And don't forget, you can always get early access on Patreon. Yes, patreon.com slash mwmconfessions is where you can get a whole load of bonus features just by helping us out by subscribing to our Patreon features through patreon.com slash mwmconfessions. Our 100th episode will continue right after this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Shocking celebrity secrets. Justin Bieber's word against mine. Backstage drama. All of a sudden, Dolly Parton walks into the room. And controversial opinions. I'm not saying she's been approached. I'm saying this is what I'm hearing is the crunching options. TV Black Box, the podcast where people who've worked in the TV industry spill their juiciest stories. Julie used to like to drink on set. TV Black Box, available in your favourite podcast feed. <laughs> 
Well, in season two, we did one of my favourite episodes, that of Ed Kemper, and I talk about this guy all the time. <laughs> this is the case many people, including Aidan, one of our listeners, wants to see a full season on, a deep dive into his case. What do you think, Amanda? Oh, I don't know. And, you know, I know that you want to do it too, Robert, and I just... Uh, I do. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why I don't want to do it because um, Kemper was one of those cases that... I really followed strongly from the beginning. Like a lot of people will uh, sort of go towards Dharma or Bundy or, or Gacy or any of those, but I actually sort of lean towards Kemper. But I just, I don't know, there's so much about him and I think with Mindhunter bringing him to the forefront and so many more people know about him, I think there's not much else to learn. So it's pretty much being done to death is what you're has. saying. And, I mean, mm. all of the other cases have been done too. It might be something that we do on time when I just want to, enjoy myself which is a hor horrible thing to say but it's just a case that I think it will be easy to do I don't know Robert what do you think oh look I, I actually hear you and um you know I think if I know a lot about a case a lot of people will too and I do know a lot about Ed Kemper now and I always use examples of mm -hmm. him I in that one and um the flavor aid episode are the ones that Jim really Jones. have always stood out. And I, my God, I use that fact all the time that it wasn't Kool-Aid, it was Flavor-Aid. <laughs> Anytime someone says, I was drinking the Kool-Aid, I'm just like, well, did you actually know <laughs> it's Flavor-Aid, not Kool-Aid? <laughs> um, but no, I, I do see... Um, the idea of not doing it. If we did do it, maybe it's a bonus on Patreon. But, yes, I I, I do understand um, there is a lot of camper out there, especially through Mindhunter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. what I think. Now, look, season three also saw us do our first double episode, and that was on Jim Jones. Now, I really enjoyed those episodes, and apparently so did Janiki. Uh, she mentioned that it was her favourite as well. Yeah, I think we got a great response to the Jim Jones episode and, yeah, it's the first time that we sort of kept going on an episode that we realised that it could be cut in two. Um, to have someone talking to his parishioners and tell them that, mm. you know, this is a revolutionary suicide and, you know, we had that one woman who said, you know, surely there's other ways, surely we don't all have to die to actually prove a point. Um, it's just so powerful and, you know, after doing our episodes on, on suicide and things like that, this just shows how, you know, people will follow if if they are told to follow and it's just quite shocking how that actually occurred and I love that you were totally in. By season three, Robert, I had you, you're in true crime now. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, I really did enjoy that episode. It was one of, with the flavour aid. It was one of those ones that really stuck out to me because it was something that has become part of our culture you know, people use the term don't drink the flavour aid. Now, I also love the fact that it's not flavour aid, that it's, uh, sorry, that it's not Kool Aid, it's flavour aid. Um, now, see, I say it the right way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and just the idea that such an event has had that cultural impact, but also when we had the tapes of how it was going down, what was being said, even those. Um, standing up and saying, as you said, there's another way. We got to hear the whole gamut there mm -hmm. and the wailing and, you know, like the 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 shockingness of it all. Mm -hmm. I think it was really, really powerful. Yeah, that episode really stuck out to me. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of, uh, I think, the only cult that we've actually done so far. So there is more cults to come. David Koresh, I'm hoping, will actually be in this season. I haven't started it yet, but I'm hoping there's enough material for that. So David Koresh uh, is the Waco Siege, um, mm. you know, FBI winning. Will be. Yeah, so that'll be an interesting one to do. I do have a lot of, uh, obviously, not during the siege, but a lot of um, his sermons and everything before. Um, it's yeah, I am fascinated by cults. As people know, I'm very anti-religion. I find religion fascinating. I don't believe that people can have blind faith, but they do, and they and they're willing to die for their leaders. They're willing to die for for their cause, which good on them that they're considered heroes in in their own lives and their own stories. But mm. for me, I just can't believe that people can follow um so i'm fascinated by cults and you know we have heaven's gate to come and we have a few others that of course i can't even think of right now um but yeah it's just so interesting and these people with faith and blind faith it's just i just absolutely am fascinated and for them to be able to become death cults and they actually die for their cause just it's, it just fascinates me mm. now look when we did the link cafe siege in sydney we got a bit of heat over that one 
Oh, yes, we did. People thought that we were too happy reporting on it. So I, I didn't think it. What does I, that mean? Are they saying that we were happy that this thing happened? No, people just thought that we shouldn't joke. Now, some people like that we have this rapport that we can chat and discuss things and break down when we're talking about something that affects us or something that doesn't affect us. Um, you know, but this this was like a life or death situation and, and we lived this. You know, I, I watched it live on TV. You're at Channel 10 watching it live. You were well, reporting, I was reporting on it. On it yeah, live. We yeah. were putting live programming to air. So, you know, I do have some investment in this event. I used to work at Channel 7, which was just across the, mm-hmm. uh, not even across the road from the Link Cafe, across the... The more walkway, basically, yeah. 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 Um, so you know, like I don't know. Look, the thing is, we tackle deep, dark, serious stuff on this podcast. But if we went in with a, we can only speak like this, it would you you, you seriously would come out so depressed at the end of it. You know, we do have a natural rapport. We do have dark humor. We will make jokes at times um, about the stupidest things. But if you don't like that, this isn't the podcast yeah. for you. You know, um, I think a lot of people like the way we handle these things because we we take into account the realness, the seriousness of the situation. But if there's a funny moment, it's macabre humour. And, yeah. and it's like um, Ricky Gervais on his podcast tells a story how uh, he, he knew of um, some doctors who sent a new nurse in to check on a patient and the nurse goes in checks everything comes back out the doctors walk back in and say hey the patient's dead what did you do the nurse is freaking out and they say no no he was already dead before we sent you in you know and that is the kind of macabre humor doctors have Mm -hmm. now would they ever do that in front of their patients absolutely not but it is i mean one there's a lesson in there check really check everything, (laughs) like vital signs. Um, But, you know, the fact is people find humour in the weirdest places and that's just what happens. And as I say, if if you don't like that, this isn't the podcast Mm -hmm. for you. We are lucky enough that people get us and get where we're coming from. I have, I think we actually added some really good insight into the Link Cafe Siege. We certainly both had things to bring to it you know usually you're the expert but this was one that I had lived through I was up you know putting live news to where putting people into that environment making decisions live as that was happening so we both had really good insight and if you can't see past uh, a joke or two in Mm -hmm. there somewhere there I can't even remember what we joked about but I'm not going to live my life where it's just constant depression you know like crap happens in life yeah you got to look for some funny in things and and especially when we're dealing with this topic that's my personal opinion yeah and i think being aussies too aussies have a dark sense of humor just to just to begin with and yeah. so um people learn our humor quite quickly because we are both dark so i think mm. uh, and we can be quite evil with our jokes i mean i've done suicide but that doesn't jokes, mean but... we don't have empathy for no. the victims or the people that lost their lives there mm-hmm. we absolutely do in fact uh, I don't think we could survive or get through an episode like that if we didn't try to find some light in mm-hmm. in the incredible darkness. Yeah, and there's sometimes that there's stuff that we've had had to cut out because we go off on some weird tangent that we find hilarious and we realise that no one else is going to get it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's certainly true. That's certainly true. Hey. Season four was a tough one with some incredibly hot topics. We had the Anita Cobby episode was one that sat hard with a lot of our Aussie listeners. This is interesting. It is, and and um, people have actually sort of said, you know, of all the episodes and, and, you know, this is number 100, that's the one that sat with them because we actually went through her last hours and we almost mm. did it blow by blow. Now, we often don't do that. We often do just the confessions afterwards and so it's in hindsight, whereas that one was a bit of a foresight case because we actually went through, you know, they, they were stopped at the petrol station, you know, that they raped her, that they beat her, mm. you know, there's all all the different um pieces of torture pulling her through the barbed wire fence and everything. And and there was, again, that reality that a lot of our other cases don't have because we're talking to one person and trying to get their answers, whereas that case we actually quite delved deeply into what she went through rather than what the killers went through. And I think 
that's where it sits with a lot of people because a lot of Australians especially, that's our yardstick case. So every case that's happened since Anita Cobby's murder has been measured up against that one. You know, is it as brutal as that? And so people know the case and people who don't know the case and have interest in true crime often find it quite quickly because it's because it is that that momentous case that that basically changed our lives you know Australia lost their innocence with this case yeah look and it's interesting that one thing I'm learning and, and as as I go through this more is that people like hearing about true crime unless it's in their own backyard sometimes and yeah, we, we saw this recently. There's a film being made about Martin Bryant. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of Australians have watched um, movies about serial killers on Netflix and Stan and wherever else, and it's not an issue. But as soon as they start to make one about an Australian atrocity, that's when it's, oh, it's too far. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's quite interesting where people, and not specifically fans of this podcast, let me just say I'm talking about mainstream people, Um I find it interesting where they draw the line. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, um, you know, we, we have some fr- friends of the podcast that um, are from Tasmania and they said Tasmanians are different to the rest of as Australians and that this is a case that they really don't want to have discussed. I mean, I've been to Port Arthur and those that have seen it, I've actually put up a video onto our YouTube channel of me walking around the Broad Arrow Cafe as it now stands and it's actually hidden. If you don't know where it is in Port Arthur, you won't find it because they're trying to hide all of that history. And it's quite amazing that, yeah, we have these cases and Port Arthur is exactly the same as the Anita Cobby case. It's our yardstick of our most heinous crimes. And, you know, mass murders before and since are all measured against what Martin Bryant did. And, of course, then we can go into the conspiracy theories, which I promise I won't. But there's all of <laughs> all of those things involved too that sort of tarnishes our history. And if we don't talk about it and, you know, yes, people don't like movies and things like that, but I think it's important to actually have as a reminder, as brutal as they can be, that these things happen. This is reality. And what have we learned from it and how can we move forward? Absolutely. And, and look, Martin Bryant was such a significant case in this country, it changed Australia's gun laws. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a whole gun buyback system that is talked about in the world, you know, around the world. It's talked about in America of an example of how it can work with proper gun control. We now have that in Australia because of that very case. Look, let's move on. And we also covered the Mark to True case. Now, this was a case that really hurt you, Amanda, and when you researched it for your book, Child Killers. Yeah, uh, this is that case, and I will always come back to this case. This this is my worst case. Um, so everyone has that case that sort of haunts them, and Mark True is the case that haunts me, not purely because of what we actually reported on on the podcast, because we actually sort of focus quite closely in on his um localised cases, but this case actually goes into um, a lot of child sex trafficking, uh, a lot Mm. of tortures, a lot of um, victims that come forward after his arrest with different stories and demands that uh, the Belgium Constabulary actually takes over and and investigates everything that was happening and it didn't happen and it become almost to a place that it was actually going to pull down the entire establishment because there's all these cases going on and the people involved were like judges and, and royalty and police officers and all these people were involved and it was sort of brushed away and everyone knows the truth. And um, this is actually how I found WikiLeaks when I uh, was writing about this case 100,000 years ago um, because WikiLeaks actually had the entire case file and um, it was in Belgium. Um, unfortunately, and so I had to have it translated. But what happened to a lot of these victims, and it's called the ex-dossiers, that those that want to um, go and look it up, it's out there and available, um, what some of these victims went through and what they saw of other victims being murdered and how they were murdered, it's just uh, it's brutality beyond anything I could even imagine. And as you can imagine, I could can go quite dark, but this mm. is beyond that. There, there was things I saw and photos of some of the victims that will haunt me for the rest of my days. Wow. Um, all right, well, let's move on because we all, we also did an almost live episode uh, with the footage of the Christchurch shooter. We recorded it only a few hours after it occurred. 
Yeah, that was a tough one. And, you know, there was so much that I've learned since then, you know, about 88 and Hull Hitler and all of that. There was so many things that mm. we didn't know when we did that uh, recording that we learnt later. And let's face it, it, it was a brutal case. And even to this day, um, I mean, it's only been 12, 18 months, I can't remember, but it's it's a case that has now affected not only New Zealand but Australia as well because the shooter was an Australian man. Yeah. So, you know, we, we consider New Zealand sort of like, you know, an ec extra state of Australia that we just sort of love our New Zealand cousins. Um, but this sort of made them look at us differently and most of us felt shame that an Australian would go into these Muslim mosques and do what they did and just and the fact that he live-streamed it, you know, it's just this is our next sort of criminal and, you know, our mass murders are coming up and we are considering this a terrorist attack. And so it makes us look at them differently because we all have this persona of what a terrorist looks like and when they look like us, we don't like it. And that was just a case that, you know, I would love to do a deep dive on. This is an interesting look one. Yeah, and it's an interesting one from the point of view that the New Zealand government tried to censor any mention or any use of the material. And we did the clip. We 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 put clips from here from the earlier part um, where he's driving around and the music he's listening to and and the things he's saying because that was relevant, mm -hmm. you know. And it was interesting. We were actually asked by our podcast. Provi uh, hosting provider to take the episode down um, a day or two later and they were citing the fact that the New Zealand government had outlawed it. Now, the thing about that is that um, New Zealand doesn't have jurisdiction over the rest of the world. It, it's obviously a political decision Jacinda Ardern has made and that's fine and fair enough. But I, I don't like this idea that we can't talk about killers or, or people like that because politicians have made this decision they don't want to um, give them the the publicity they so deserve. The fact is this still happened. This is an event we're still going to talk about and we should be able to talk about the lunacy of these people because that's what it is. It's lunacy. And I would be happy for this guy to face the death penalty. I would be happy to see this guy in jail for the rest of his life in a single cell with one or, or three meals a day, whatever it is, you know, but to get no benefits. That does not mean we should not look at how did this man become mm -hmm. what he became. Absolutely. And the moment we do that, we put our blinkers on to what's out there in society. We stop focusing on how we can be proactive and see the signs. You know, there's a whole... We've just seen in the United States normal everyday people storm the heart of democracy in America. Now, yes, it's Trumpism. Yes, they were incited by the President of the United States. But what leads people to think that this is OK? What leads people to think that it's OK to storm a government building, to go in to the Speaker's chamber, steal a laptop, urinate on the floor? How do people... Flick that switch. The moment we stop talking about any of this is the moment we will allow this to continue and thrive. We should not be ignoring the Christchurch serial killer. We should absolutely be learning about this guy, how he got there and how we can stop it from happening again. I hate censorship in all its forms. Yeah, absolutely. That's well said. I, I have nothing to add to that. And that is the end of my TED Talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. We then get to season five. And, Amanda, this one divided listeners. Um, we did an entire season on just Manson. You did? <laughs> Some people loved it. I cannot believe we have a lot of love for the Manson season. A lot of love. And others go, yeah, I didn't even listen to it. One episode was enough. I wasn't going any further. I loved it. I found it fascinating. I would have done 10 episodes. You know, I would have just... But why? Why is this? Let, let me go through some of the listener thoughts. Tiffany said, I'm a big fan of Manson. Yeah, dog. Nikki said, I loved every season except Manson. And Danielle said she skipped the season too. Why is that? Is it because it feels like a commitment? Is it, feel, is it because they feel like they know Manson? 
I actually don't understand it because there was so much good info in there. Yeah, I think it's probably the same reason I'm, I loathe now to think of doing a Kemper season. I think because there is so much. And uh, Manson is just in a category on his own and you can't put him in any other case. Yes, people go, oh, he didn't kill anyone. Well, yeah, he did. And that's a whole other issue that that, mm. that we did address in Listen the season. Listen to the season, people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just I, I wanted to experiment and I thought that that was a good person to do it on because there was a lot of material that wasn't going to overlap. You know, there is uh, people that do a lot of interviews, uh, even the interviews you and I do, we know that there's regurgitated information because everyone asks you the same questions. But Manson never gave the same question, uh, same answer. Mm. He was always diving around and, and to see how this man's thought process jumped from this to that and, and, his, and his physical prowess compared to his actual stature. And, and, you know, people watch Mindhunter after listening to our our podcast on him and saw things that we had actually talked about, his nuances, that, you yeah. know, he's just one of a kind. And, you know, you can put him into a, a group with, say, Jim Jones and David Koresh as a sort of, you know, cult leader. But then again, he goes under the mass murder and then again he, he goes under a spree killer. And so there's all of these different areas that, that Manson sort of comes under and he's just a one of a kind. And I think that's why people have a fascination with him. Um, you know, one of the first books most of us read as, as, as true crime fans is is Helter Skelter. Um, I couldn't get through it, and but I, I did. Um, but it's just it's an interesting case because it is so different. And, you know, that's why people loved it because it wasn't doing the same thing as we'd done before. This is a different person. This this has a different outcome and it's just, just so out there. Mm. But you almost made a huge admission in that series. What? Do you want to share uh, what, what what happened? I almost forgot Krenwinkel. So as we know, every <laughs> every episode sort of focused on one person and we were almost at the end and someone goes, oh, how about Patricia Krenwinkel? And I went, oh, yes, well, she sort of does the last bit. I think it was more fatigue because I had written that all so, so close together. Mm. Um, and I almost completely missed her, but she actually was like the thread that went through it all because she, she appeared in so many episodes, but we didn't give her her own episode. Um, and when I went back through it all thinking, oh, my God, where, where is she? I realised that she was sort of one of those people that sort of took the, the case along and she was basically the storyteller um, of what was going on. So that's the reason I sort of missed her on her own episode because she sort of filtered through ev everything just like Manson did. Mm. Well, look, season six began with the Green River killer Gary Ridgway and you were disappointed with that one. Oh, my God. So I was looking forward to doing Ridgeway because I remember his arrest and I remember the trial and all of that and, and when he was the Green River Killer and we had no name for him and Bundy had done a big profile on him and, you know, that was the way we were going to catch him. And to find out he's dumb. It was dumb luck. <laughs> it was dumb luck. I'm just like, really, this guy can't string a sentence together. This guy has no sort of multimedia um, motives for what he was doing. You know, um, Bundy saw, saw him as an equal. I would love to have seen what Bundy thought when they actually got Gary Ridgway because he was the antithesis of the suave, sophisticated Bundy. We had th th this deadbeat guy who just, dumb luck. I, I, just, <laughs> I was so disappointed. But it was interesting because what I'd gone in expecting and what I actually got was quite different. And so this is what people need to know is that um, when we do the notes for these episodes, I don't go over them 1,500 times. I do them once live so I know what happened as everyone else learns in the podcast because I don't want to sort of, you know, polish it and make it perfect. I want it to be that, yeah, that we made mistakes last episode. No, we like to have authentic reactions <laughs> and an authentic conversation. Exactly, exactly. Like in the last episode we, we talked about the rights being given and, you know, I gave an answer that I believed was true but when I, I reheard it I realised that I was actually wrong and that and, and that can happen. Uh, but we do get our details right as best as we can. Um, but, yeah, Ridgeway just, yeah, it, it, that, that was a different for me. It was just so upsetting. <laughs> Mm. But, look, another episode we received great feedback on was the last meal requests and executions, 
And that seems to have remained a listener favourite. Yes, and um, it was just one, as I said, I like to mix it up a bit. And and I know that you, you do too, Robert, because we can become for- formulaic if we allow ourselves to be so. So that's why, yeah. um, you know, I I have 25 seasons scripted out, um, you know, with, with notes. <laughs> but then, like, this season has ended up being different. Last season was very different. Next season, you know, I'm planning it to have be explosive violence cases. So, you know, looking at crews and 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 people like that mass murders and and stuff but then when i get there i realize by by bundling them all in together it can get monotonous because it's you know a plus b equals c so this is why i love doing these opposite um episodes that we do like the last meal requests and executions that one was meant to be an excuse for me to eat kfc that's where that one started because Gacy's last meal was KFC and I thought, let's do this one on camera. I'm eating KFC, basically. That's where that started. But where it ended up was very different because then we went through two real executions and, again, that was a reality that people didn't realise that's how it goes and mm. um, especially the one that was botched and the way that it was then reported afterwards is it went perfectly fine. It's interesting to see that insight to what happens when someone is executed. Mm. Well, look, we ended Season 6 with a three-parter on Elizabeth Wetloffer and Angel of Death. Now, this was fascinating, this series. It went through her entire written confessions and it was very thorough and gave us ample material. Yeah, I loved that one, I must admit. She was... um, She... Like when we think of a serial killer, we think of, you know, this scary, ugly man, you know, people, I will say Ramirez, but some people think he's handsome, but that's a whole nother issue. Um, <laughs> you know, they they expect this, you know, guy with a scar and a limp and, you know, with a hook for a hand kind of thing. And then we look at mm. Elizabeth Wetloffer and she's this plump middle-aged woman who you would like let you let her babysit your children. However, she would probably be a good babysitter because she vowed never to harm children. That's why she ended up confessing was because she was being sent to a paediatric ward and she mm. couldn't trust herself. But, yes, th- this is to show that, you know, they aren't male, white males between the age of 25 and 32. You know, it's none of that. This was a middle-aged woman with a medical degree who was killing old people because she didn't like them. You know, it's just so different to our sexual predators. And it was just so fascinating and a, a breath of fresh air to look at that different sort of, of serial killer, to, to stop everyone believing of this umbrella term of serial killer. They're all different. Yeah, indeed. And look, then we did something different last Christmas. We did a mini summer season with a couple of older cases. Amanda, do you have any more plans for more of those older case mini episodes? Yeah, I mean, as you know, Robert, and and you made this premise from the very beginning that we want our episodes to be just under the hour mark, you know, and with a new section and Mm. a break in between and all of this sort of stuff. But then we have these cases that we don't have enough to do a full episode on, but I don't want them to disappear. And a lot of Australian cases, we have a lot of older cases that we don't have the material to do a recorded confession or we have a written confession. Um, And so there's enough to maybe do a 15, 20-minute sort of half episode. So I have lots of those for us to sort of um, intertwine in the podcast moving forward or on the TV show or whatever we end up doing just to sort of bring in those different cases that don't follow the formula that we have. These are cases that we might sort of do more of a case file on it rather than doing a confession file on it. So, you know, but I have lots of them, lots and lots and lots of them. Yeah. Well, look, our opening episode of Season 7 changed people. Listeners listeners like Kel and Alana agreed that David Parker Ray and that tape we played got deep inside them. Amanda, this is one of only three cases that have given you nightmares. So... I can imagine how our listeners felt. Yeah, that that was that was one that I left in your hands because um yeah, I if I get nightmares from it, I understand how heinous it would be to those listening to it. Um, but people again were fascinated by the reality and that we didn't didn't um, back down from it. Um, and this is why I often get your advice, because you're coming at this from a very different place and you know, you now have almost three years experience in this whereas others like me I've been doing this since I was 15 so there's hardly anything I haven't heard now but when yeah. I heard that for the first time yeah that that changed me inside and and 
that night I had one of the worst nightmares of my life. I've had very few in, in my lifetime, but that one, and everyone goes, when he brings in his dog, that's all you have to say. And everyone goes, yep, yep. So people, we, mm. we actually put a timestamp in, in that one saying to, yes. to forward to a certain point. So people who didn't want to listen to it, we don't do that often, but that was one that, uh, yeah, we needed to do. Well, what do you think? Well, I, I think we gave the listeners the choice by mm-hmm. putting the timestamp in. They had the choice, which is why we did that. They had the choice of um, what they listened to and that's power. It's mm-hmm. not censorship. It's power to the listener. Yeah. So they get to decide. And what comes back to what I was saying yeah, before. Yeah, and, and what did you think about hearing it about the dog? Um, I think it was important to hear it. Yeah. It's like the toolbox killers. As... as Hard as it was hearing that audio, the realities of what these people do, I think sometimes get lost in a void of entertainment. We, even this podcast, you know, we're not sensationalising what they do, but we're talking about what they do. They become known names. Um, You know, we have a whole series devoted to the atrocities out there in humanity And we're not the only ones. Mm -hmm. True crime is one of the biggest things on the planet. So I think sometimes it is important to ground ourselves in the reality of it. Doesn't mean we can't still enjoy it. Doesn't mean, you know, like it's, it's not an evil thing to be drawn to true crime, even to find it entertaining at times, because it is, and this is how we cope with things, you know. Um, So you're not a bad person for listening to true crime. Yeah. Just occasionally, though. I think it's really good to ground ourselves. Yeah, yeah, and just show that, yeah, that this isn't pulp fiction, that this is true life and reality. Yeah, yeah. this isn't a movie. Yeah. All right, we then met our first batch of <laughs> frustrating detectives <laughs> when we looked at the officers who interviewed Todd Colhep. Good Jesus, <laughs> Manda. <laughs> Yes, no, stop talking. Don't tell me what's happening. I have to write, then you went to the door. Uh, Uh, Seriously, that could have been, uh, that was a two-parter, but could have been one if the officers did a better (laughs) interview style. And I I really did. And you were shocked at how um, cohesive I made that because I started cutting out. By the second part, I was cutting out all (laughs) the officers saying, he went (laughs) down. Yeah. Yeah, but to because the I'm not done. Shop. <laughs> so you say I want to talk over it because it's so frustrating. Um, but yeah, because because we had a killer there that that wanted to talk. We had a killer. He so that, that wanted just, to talk. You know, just let me talk. You know, put three recorders down on on the table, people. You know, make sure that all of them work. Put your camera in in the corner. You have it on camera anyway. Like, mm. guys, you know, yeah, it's so frustrating, and. Yeah, I don't know if some do it to, to try and incite anger and to have them accidentally blurt something out, but we've never seen that happen. But, my God, when um, I was flicking through for, for, for some of the notes for this one, I went, oh, now who was the bad bad detective? And I instantly went, oh, that's right, it was Cole Hep because Cole Hep just wanted to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And, talk. Was... And, and some actually also commented on the Gypsy Rose episode in Season 9 as having the same issues. What? They did because, you know, we had the the person, um, the female officer in interviewing go to John, so, so, so Nick, go to John, and she just let him talk and talk and talk and talk, whereas the guy that was interviewing Gypsy Rose was saying, oh, honey, honey, now let's t- talk about this mm. and, oh, you know, the pencil and the and the snowflakes and the snowball rolling down the hill and over and over and over. He said, you know, this is why pencils have uh, rubbers and all of this sort of stuff over and over and over again to the point that it's like we're not getting anywhere because you're not following what she's saying and she literally says at one yeah. point, can I talk? Yeah. And, and and then these detectives who every time the, the 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 person is on the edge ready to deliver the sermon of how they did it, where they did it, why they did it. Oh, I think you need a break yeah. now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go and have a break. Think about, oh, I'm not going to tell them that. Why was I doing that? You know, like 
Oh, the idiocy. But you know what? We did also find a hero detective, and we've got to go back to season eight when we did a mini series on Jodie Arias. Now, that has to be one of the most popular cases we've done. Oh, everyone talks about the Jodie Arias case, and that wasn't meant to be a little season, so it ended up being five episodes long. That was purely because we let things go and, and we let things play out, and this is what we need to do because... You know, just doing the Speed Freak case that we've just done and we said that all we received was cuts. So then when I put it together for us, it's cut down even further. So Mm. being able to play almost in its entirety was just a magic thing to do and that needed to happen because it twisted and turned in all different ways that were just so amazing that I didn't know was coming. And as, as I said before, we don't... We don't go over these and polish them. We we let it play out. This is our our natural reactions to what's happening, and you know people loved it. Jodie Rice. I mean, this is a woman who killed one person. I mean, we've done four cases on people that have d- killed nine and ten people, and we've put it in one episode. This is how different the Jodie Rice case was, and that detective. She stood out. Yeah, she yeah. stood out for a number of reasons. Just her whole motivation, the way the case hand was handled, mm-hmm. uh, the interview was handled. It was. I still find that as one of the top cases we've done on yeah, this series. Yeah, and I would do a deep dive. People have asked for us to now look at the court case on Jodie Arias and I would do that because it, mm. it changes again and I think that there's a lot in the court case that we could actually do that sort of does more of the twists and turns and the confessions. And court the cases would be interesting <laughs> if we've got the audio. Okay, well, uh, Menendez Brothers is coming. It was meant to be last season but because I found... I think it was 9,000 hours of court footage um, that we can actually do that. So, uh, well, that would be cases. fascinating. And, and the Menendez case is one I'm very interested in yeah. as well. Um, and, and, and look, let, let's go back and we can't forget the episode with David Mitchell, the kidnapper and rapist of Elizabeth Smart. They were pretty heavy with yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, it, it was physical assault. We, we had the really tall FBI agent who's, like, poking at him saying, you know, and we know this and we know that you did that. And David Mitchell mm. was saying, you know, I'm Jesus Christ and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the Lord's son and, <laughs> you know, look me up and that's my name on the inside of my Bible. And That guy was the biggest pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah but he was another. But then, but, but then the officer was knew his Bible better. Yes. Yes, him. yes. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, that that officer said, yeah, but how about where the Bible says this? And because they were Mormon, you know, it was just amazing that it, it was so yeah. natural for him to sort of do this. And Mitchell had never had people question his faith before. Mm-hmm. So to have this officer, that worked purely because they were two officers that needed to be in that room with that person. This is when it happens and it's magic. You know, yes, it was violent and it could have gone further, I think, if there weren't cameras. But it, it was interesting to see it play out because then we also had a a live victim, and that's where things change, you know. And that's where Colehep could have been very different as well because um, Cara Brown had survived. But yeah, that one didn't go well. Mm. Well, then last season, which was season nine, we did another new segment, emergency calls, and that again has been a favourite amongst listeners. I'm sorry, guys, I say that you've all got favourites, but you all do, and this is definitely <laughs> the 911 calls, uh, the emergency calls, I should call them, because they're not 911 any, anywhere in Australia, they're triple O in England, I think they're triple nine. So it's different everywhere. But, uh, yeah, these are uh, episodes that I did just, again, to, to mix it up a bit, and there is so much out there out it. And we actually have some listeners that were triple O call um Officers, and so it's interesting to get their feedback on it too. And um, it's interesting to be able to do things like that that people sort of have first hand knowledge of. In fact, uh, we did William Tyrrell as one of those triple O calls in one of those episodes. And one of our listeners is friends with the woman who actually took that triple O call. So it was interesting to mm. get their feedback as well because you know, we don't. We don't stand back and and not make judgment. I mean, there are our opinions. You called and you called a detective an idiot in one of them, and that freaked me out. I don't know if that actually made it to air, but it may have. Yeah, it, it did. did. Why? Why? Why did that freak <laughs> you out? It's not defamatory. Truth is a defence. Uh, well, an opinion is a fact either. So there is all, all of that. But um, it was interesting to know that someone was going to listen to our our responses to that who actually lived it. So, um, but yeah, but the mm. the, the, the emergency calls are always a favourite. And I can do 25 seasons just on those. So there will be definitely more of mm. those. 
I, I really like those. I'd like yeah. more of those, especially when you hear things unfold in real time. Yeah. It's just absolutely yeah. fascinating. Um, one other aspect that some listeners like about the podcast is the gotcha moments. <laughs> Oh, I love those. And there's so many uh, tapes and recordings I listen to or watch that I think it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then the officer goes, let's take a break. Let's take your photo. Would you like a coffee? You know, would you like to go to the bathroom? And and there's gotcha moments that we, we miss. And there's gotcha moments that come that are totally ignored because, you know, things like um in, in the emergency calls, we actually played the tape of the person impersonating the Zodiac killer um, and he says something in that call, though it's not actually the Zodiac Killer, but the people on the TV speak over the top of him because they want to talk about something else. And often this happens because some detectives and, and officers that interview these people have an agenda. And so when something comes out yes. of the blue and it's not part of their agenda, they ignore it. Look at the look at the 911 call of the woman ringing up about the two boys in the house. And the mm-hmm. stupid questions that were being asked, not listening to what's being said. And listening yep. is something really important that some people miss out on because they have that agenda. But when people do listen, it's a very good thing, like when the lady was ordering pizza and calling yes. 911 and the dispatch person totally understood what she was saying and actually set about a course of action that made a huge mm-hmm. difference. Um, one of the oh, other things that I liked... <laughs> Yeah. One of the other things I liked with the gotcha moments was uh, an interview where they had the suspect in. Um, They hadn't laid it out on the table that he was a suspect, but while he was being interviewed, they were pulling prints. They were, his tyre marks were outside the house where the um, victim was. And, you know, then they started, it was one of those interviews where it just kept pushing, pushing. And then they're like, and here we have uh, that's your tire mark. This is your DNA. Yeah. And the guy just broke down and confessed. Yeah. Oh, I can't you know, remember like what one was... that was, but yes, I do remember that happening. So yeah, I yeah, just love yeah. it. Yeah, it was a great gotcha moment. But I mean, other people love the way you think. Yeah. So apparently, I, I think differently to others, and I know I do. I am a sociopath. I'm sure. Mm, I can vouch yeah. for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, th- that's a gift and a curse. I mean, I'm completely socially awkward in in face to face. I'm I'm terrible. I mean, I can talk to a serial killer. I can't talk to a normal person. Um, but yeah, I do think differently, and I can actually put myself in in the seat of that killer and their thought process. So that that that's a good thing and a bad thing. Um, but it allows me to see things from a different place. So um, I don't step out of things; I step into things. So um, mm. uh, it's different to some how some people think. I to me, this is natural, but I've had so many people say, oh, my God, I don't know how you thought that that's what was happening, but that is what was happening. It's just it's just something I do. And so I am one of those people who sees between the lines. You know, I have a letter from mm, Ivan Milat where he confesses to killings, um, but if you were just to read it, I've, I've actually had people read it and I say, have you seen the confession? And they don't see it. So it's it's about mm. thinking the right way or the wrong way. Yes. Nope. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Now, look, talking about all that, being the serial killer whisperer and all, we haven't done many of the killers you've interviewed. We've done Malat and Bernie, but not many others. Why? Well, they're coming. I I just, there's cases that have more information out there than what just I have. Um, And to have the information I have without it being a recording, it can be quite hard to do. But we have had a a discussion lately and uh, we do have a voiceover actor who is going to come in and read some of these for us in various accents and things. Um, So there will be more of those coming into it with information that is nowhere else. It will only be in this podcast or this TV show or whatever we're going to call it. But they are coming. It's just often... Um, we get requests for cases or I'll be looking on YouTube and find some other cases that I've, I've put in there. As I said, um, I had 25 case, uh, twenty-five seasons worth and I'm probably up to about 45 seasons now. But I keep swapping and changing them around, often the ones that I know so much about. I dump because I know too much about them and I would find them dull. I want ones that I'm going to be excited about, like t- <laughs> Todd Colehep and things like that. Yes, but we I want know, your knowledge, know, Amanda. But they are definitely coming and I need to stop putting them aside. We were supposed to do Bobby Joe Long and then he was executed and so I sort of held back a bit. But, you know, there is people like Bobby Joe Long, um, Kathleen Folbig, so I'm just, just going around the people in my room. Um, uh, Albert Fisher's coming. John Mungacy's coming. Uh, no, we've done Gacy, I think. 
we've done, done gazing. gazing. Um, I've got the Zodiac sitting here. Yes, people, I'm looking around my room. Oh, we've got Charles Manson there too. Um, but there is a lot that will be coming that um, I, I kept pulling them back and I don't know why, but now that we've sort of got someone that can sort of do these recordings off the written word, that's going to make a big difference to us. Yes, that will make a big change. Um Shockingly, Amanda doesn't want my accents to be the one doing it. Um, before we go, because we are running out of time, Judge Rob, when's he coming back and what cases is he um, listening to? Uh, well, I've almost finished writing up the notes for Jean Benet Ramsey case. So Robert will be yeah. uh, coming into that case. Hopefully, we don't get sued because anyone who talks about that case does get sued. But we will try. But um, I've got Jaden Lesky coming. I've got Bible John coming. I've got Cindy James's murder coming. The Redhead Killers, uh, Rochelle Childs, which was a local case here. There is so many more cold cases coming. But first of all, I'm doing a full season just on Jean Benet Ramsey. Fantastic. All right. Amanda, I can't tell you how fantastic it has been doing 100 episodes with you. We are, have been friends for a long time. We've had a lot of good moments. We've had a lot of screaming matches. Um, you know, thank you so much for sharing this journey with me. You are the serial killer whisperer. You have the insight. You have the knowledge. And I just thank you for allowing me to be part of this. Well, I have to thank you because you're the person who come up with this, Robert, and I'd still be sitting here just talking to myself otherwise. <laughs> and um, I think that you bring a lot more to this podcast than you think. I know that you just think that you're sort of the news guy and, you know, Judge Rob is a, a fantastic part of it, but you challenge me. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it terrifies me, sometimes I wonder where you're going um, and sometimes you tell me I'm wrong and I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think it's important because then you make me think differently again. So, you know, it can't be just one person's opinion. Uh, this is a, a group effort and... Um, well, that's what friends yeah, exactly, do. They challenge exactly. each other. Exactly, and um, I don't think this would have worked if I did this with anyone else. It had to be you, and I and I've loved teaching you, and I've loved learning from you. So it's been great. Ah, well, that's lovely. Hey, look, if you want more Monsters Who Murder bonus episodes, the full back catalogue on all the cases we've spoken about in this episode, just go to Patreon.com/slash/MWMConfessions. You will seriously find every episode there. You'll be able to listen to what we've spoken about and fully get across the Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions collection. Amanda, we're back to normal next week. We'll see you then. See ya. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 